Hi everyone, my name is Mare Verk and welcome to Life on the Farm. Welcome back everyone to another week at Life on the Farm. I have so much caffeine in my system right now. It's actually unreasonable for a Sunday afternoon, but I've been working on my final project and it just felt like the right thing to do. So here we are. Uh, If I sound like I'm talking very fast, I apologize. But yeah, I'm excited to share with you all what I was up to during my fifth week of my hospital operations rotation. I can't believe I only have one more week left. Time definitely flies. This past week, I was in the ED as well as in transitions of care. And then I wrapped up my week in the main pharmacy. But before I get into the specifics of each day, as I always do, I like to share what the episode title means or kind of where it came from. And so you may or may not have heard of this phenomenon called white coat hypertension, also called white coat syndrome. And it what happens is when you go into a doctor's office or another healthcare setting, you have high blood pressure readings there, but normal readings at home. And so it's this idea that doctor visits can make some people nervous or anxious, which may raise their blood pressure. And so while that's the normal definition of white coat syndrome, I decided to repurpose it for my own situation, which was during this week being asked to sign doctor's orders simply because I had my white coat on. But I can talk more about that when I get to that day of the week and explain that whole situation, but something to look forward to as you listen along. So without further ado, let's get into it. And as we always do, we start with Monday. This is day 21 of my rotations. It's so crazy to think it's been this long already. It was July 27th and I was on the med rec tech shift in the emergency department. And this shift was from 900 to 1730. And basically what happens is we go into the emergency department and we do medication reconciliations or med histories for new patients that have admit orders. And so we cover patients that come in from the night before, as well as throughout the day that we're working, who get orders so that we can make sure that their profile is as up-to-date as possible. So what we do is we check their medication list from admission because when you are brought in to the emergency department, whether you come in yourself or through the ambulance bay, what have you, the nurse there will do a preliminary med history. And so that gives a baseline of where we start from. And then there's actually this really cool um, software called SureScript, and it's a way to check and see if there is anything missing that's been filled at a pharmacy that may not have made it on the list. So basically, it's a collection of all the different transactions if they were done through an insurance claim. Um, If they're paid in cash, they tend not to show up, but it really just depends. And so you're able to compare what the patient said they were taking when they came in to their fill history, which is really useful. And then from there, we actually go and speak to the patient themselves. So as long as they aren't COVID positive, of course, we're able to go to the room and have a conversation with them. And so it follows the same structure as the med recs that we cover at UCSF. And I'm guessing every pharmacy school um, teaches their students. But you go in, you verify their name, their date of birth. You also want to double check what pharmacy they fill at normally. But this does get a little bit tricky because sometimes people fill out multiple pharmacies. So you want to make sure if when you're checking sure scripts before you go into the room to have an idea of about how many they go to and where they go. At the same time, we also like to double check allergies as well as what those reactions are. Because when you're inpatient, you may get prescribed um, an antibiotic. So let's say you're 
allergic to penicillin and you had a reaction of hives. And what I've noticed a lot is that people who have had a reaction tend to have had it at a dentist office. It's a really popular antibiotic that's prescribed um, when getting dental procedures done to protect you from the bacteria inside of your mouth. And a lot of people end up breaking out in hives. And so in that case, you probably want to stay away from a first-generation cephalosporin like Keflex because there's that R group that can cause the same type of um, reaction to take place. It's the percentage of chance that that happens hasn't been defined or anything, but there is a percentage. So you always want to make sure you have the full picture. And so that's one of the things we like to ask patients about or if they're on... Um, Norco, you want to find out, are they allergic to, like, which part are they allergic to? Can they still get Tylenol? So different things like that you want to be cognizant of. After that, we just go through and we have the patient tell us what they take at home. And so we try to avoid reading off the list we have just to make sure that the patient is able to tell us off the top of their head. And another thing I forgot to mention is checking before you go into the room to see who the caregiver is. For a lot of patients, it is themselves, but oftentimes patients can also come from skilled nursing facilities, care homes, assisted living um, centers, or perhaps they live with a child of theirs or a spouse or something like that is the one who takes care of them. So just being aware of that. But for the patients who they take care of themselves, and like I mentioned, are COVID negative, we go to the room. And if they're able to tell us what they take, we go ahead and jot all of that down. But things we also want to double check are whether or not they're on any sort of diabetes medication, if they take any blood thinners, because oftentimes you'll find patients may be on warfarin or Eliquis, uh, Xarelto, things like that, and they have never been added to their medication list. And that's really important to information to know. We also check if they use any inhalers, any eye drops, eardrops, creams, topicals, patches, anything like that. And you'd be surprised when you continue to probe, even when patients say, oh, no, that's all I take once they finish speaking to you. How many more things that they end up remembering when you ask them about these specific other formulations? So just something to keep in mind. And then when they are explaining to us what prescriptions they do take, we get uh, this dose, the strength, obviously the name of the drug, when during the day they take it, whether it be in the morning, noon, or evening. It just also helps with timing their inpatient doses because the doctors don't know when they take all their medications. People take things differently maybe than what's on the vial. All important things to consider. And that basically wraps it up. Once you do all of that, you end up going back to the computer and inputting everything. And so there you check the name of the drug. You want to make sure you check that the strength is correct, as well as the frequency, the instructions are right. And then also checking the last time that they took it, which is another important question to ask when you're in the room, because uh, for certain procedures and things like that, you want to hold blood thinners for a certain amount of time. Let's say someone is on an anticoagulant for AFib and they didn't take their morning dose, you want to make sure that they get it. But in the case, maybe they already took it in the morning and it's still, they took it at, let's say 6am and then they ended up coming in. You don't want to give them their second dose at 9am. So all of these things are really important when it comes to patients transitioning their care from their home to the inpatient setting. And so that's why this is a really important thing to do. And basically that's what we did the entire day. It was really great opportunity again to practice something that I've had the opportunity to do multiple times throughout pharmacy school. And I guess another thing to touch upon would be, let's say 
you talk to the patient, they're not really sure. You can run through what you have on the list with them. Um, but at the same time, when you come back, you can follow up with their pharmacy. Uh, you can follow up if they tell you someone else has control of their medications or is at home with them and they take them as prescribed. You call them up and you verify. So there's a lot of other things that go around it. And these interactions or one patient can last anywhere from like 20 minutes to an hour on, of working them up. And so it's definitely time consuming, but it is really, really important to get it right and to get the most accurate picture as possible because pharmacy is not only verifying orders that may have an impact on or interact with some of the home meds, but you also want to have an idea of what is this patient used to or do we need to be aware of something maybe that we don't know coming in. So again, really important to make sure that that's happening. And it was actually a really cool day too because I got to hang out in the ambulance bay for the day because that's where the technicians sit. And so that was a really interesting experience in itself because you see the way that patients get checked in, just how many people come in by ambulance on a day-to-day basis, and just how that whole process works with the nurse taking down all the information from the EMT, um, getting information from the patient, seeing how the whole process of them getting a room works, talking to the patient and figuring out kind of where they're at, who they are, of course, you're able to pull up their record or if not open a new one. And so again, just a great opportunity to see how that whole situation works because when you're in the main pharmacy, it's not like you're sitting there seeing how this plays out. But Yes, another great day in the emergency department. I think I really like it there. And with that, I finished my Monday. We then move on to Tuesday, which was basically the same as Monday because I was again on the med rec shift. So this is day 22 of my rotations. It's July 28th. I was there again from 900 to 1730. But when we showed up this morning, there were 19 people in the emergency department hold. And what that means is that 19 people were waiting for beds to open up inside the main hospital in order to be admitted. So it was a very busy morning because we definitely had to catch up with all of those people and get those med recs done. So a great opportunity again to practice and do the whole thing, but it was definitely hectic when we first started our morning. Uh, It was all worth it though at the end, obviously for the patient's sake, but then someone brought cookies, so that's always nice. There was also coffee in the break room. So again, it's the little things. And a lot of the hospitalists actually sit on the side that we sit on. So the institution that I'm at currently has an old ED department that houses their trauma bay, as well as two new emergency departments. And those two new emergency departments tend to be where patients who come into the emergency room to be seen um, have their preliminary checkup and things like that. It's pretty popping in there. Like there's a ton of people around. It can be a little bit louder. Although trauma bay has its moments as well. It's just a lot less frequent. So we all sit on the old ED side and then go see patients from there. But it was a really great opportunity, too, to see the way the hospitalists work. These are just physicians who work in the emergency department. So I got to talk with a lot of them about what they do, see the way that they chart their notes, how they approach um, evaluating a patient. They also have this super cool device called Nuance, and it allows them to verbally dictate their notes. And so it makes it so much easier for them to just quickly run through everything they need to do and add into their notes and then go back and make edits manually. And so I thought that was really cool because when I'm sitting there reading all of their notes, I'm like, this must take forever to input. I wonder if they have a dot phrase, a smart phrase, whatever it is. But yeah, a lot of times they just end up um, reciting it through this kind of microphone. It kind of more looks like um, the joysticks from uh, video games and things like that. So I thought that was awesome. 
And like I've mentioned before, because we do sit in the ambulance bay area, it's the entrance from um, where the ambulances pull up to check in so that patients can then be put in their rooms. We saw multiple EMTs who come back within like two to three two to three times within like an hour, hour and a half, which is so crazy. I don't know why I never realized how often an ambulance gets called, but I think when you're sitting there and you keep seeing people come back with new people, you start to realize that this is a thing that happens. And this is actually when I was approached by a nurse. I, what a kind individual. And he came and I, because I'm wearing my white coat, I was wearing white coat and scrubs and he came up and he's like, oh, are you the admitting physician? And I was so thrown off by the question just because I was so floored. And I guess I just looked very confused. He's like, you're a doctor, right? And I was like, oh no, I actually don't have any letters after <laughs> my name. But he was really kind about it. He's like, oh, sorry, I saw the white coat. And I was like, no, I totally don't blame you. Um, but yeah, I think that coupled with my aggressive, okay, I wouldn't say aggressive, we'll go with confident walk. I think it puts off that type of energy and vibe. But it was just a really funny interaction because I'm sitting there like trying to figure out this med rec and calling all these different people. And he like handing me papers to sign and I'm like, Oh, no, 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 I really can't do that. <laughs> but I was honored, you know, it means a lot. But hopefully one day I can sign something pharmacy related. So um, that was a funny situation. Again, never know what'll happen um, when you show up every day. Another thing I tried to do while I was on this shift was anytime I saw a brand name or a drug name that I wasn't super familiar with or that I forgot the mechanism of action for, I would immediately look it up on Lexicomp. I think something that's really helped me solidify a lot of my dosing and uh, memorization of these drugs and their classes and what their common indications are is that anytime I see a drug, I try to remember its brand and generic name. So depending on what I'm seeing, remember the alternative. And then from there, remembering the mechanism of action and then figuring out what the com what that patient is probably taking it for. And if I can't do that for a drug, I'm immediately on Lexicomp making sure that that's something I'm remembering because the more I see it, the more repetition there is, the greater the chance will be that I will of course remember it. And I think that's kind of taking it upon yourself to become to be a learner in that situation. So a little little pro tip, if you ever feel like you like want to test yourself or anything, I try to do it as often as possible, literally with every med rec, to be honest. So something I realized that um, has definitely helped me also because we got the email for the RX prep book and mine's being delivered on Monday and I am unsure how prepared I am to even flip the cover page open. So again, just taking it as it's coming and just being open to learning and also taking it upon myself to prepare myself for boards at the end of the year, school year that is. So yeah, just wanted to share that little tidbit of information because I think sometimes when you're on rotations, especially if you're like with med recs, we've done them all throughout pharmacy school. I've done multiple IPIs with med recs before. So it's not really the process so much for me that was like, oh, I need to learn how to do this. Of course, there are differences in workflow. So I thought that was really valuable too, to see the way a different institution does things because I've done them at, um, Three different institutions now and so each of them is a little bit different so that of course um, is a small learning curve but I think the bigger takeaway especially since I'm in this last year is making sure that my drug knowledge is solid so just thought I'd share in case anybody was looking for something a little extra but after that I was basically did that for the rest of the day and then my preceptor and I met up 
to go over um, my first draft of my final project since it will be presented this coming week. And so she and I just sat down, talked about some small notes she wanted to give me and some advice and things that she thought I should change. That way, when I started working on it a lot more, I wouldn't be working in the wrong direction. So that was really helpful. I really appreciate that she takes the time to sit down with me and go over it before I get too far into it because then imagine giving the presentation you go up there and your preceptor is like oh like that was not the important part like I wanted you to touch upon this and especially because this project is about a 30 minute um, verbal talk with like a lecture and everything you definitely want to make sure you're talking about the right thing or else it's going to be a very awkward 30 minutes so grateful for that and once we were done with that I went home we are now on to Wednesday. It's day 23 of my rotations, July 29th, and I was on the TOC or Transitions of Care Pharmacist Shift, and that runs from 730 to 1800. And this was actually not in the main pharmacy. They have their own office, um, neuro-oncology actually, and a pharmacist and a technician work there. And this was my opportunity to get an introduction to BCPI. And what BCPI is, is the Bundled Payments for Care Improvement. And it's an initiative that was comprised of four broadly defined models of care, uh, which linked payments for the multiple services that a patient received during an episode of care. So basically during a single encounter. And under the initiative, organizations entered into payment arrangements um, that included financial and performance accountability, they were aimed to increase quality and care coordination at a lower cost to Medicare. So basically the idea is that there are all these different healthcare services available and they're entered into this contract in order to help cut costs. And in doing so, they end up being a part of this payment model. And so transitions of care job is basically taking what the patient is doing at home, what meds they're taking, making sure um, that either gets started in inpatient or is already started inpatient, while at the same time when they're being discharged to go back home, everything is reconciled. What they were doing at home with what they're doing inpatient as well as what their treatment plan is, is coordinated when they leave the hospital. And so when I was on the pharmacist shift, I actually, there's actually different subsections that fall under this category. It's not every patient. It's all the pneumonia patients, COPD, acute MI, and they're actually adding spine patients for pain that fall under this category. So these are the ones that are followed by transitions of care. And so we start with the patients in this category. They get printed out on a list and we go through and we do their daily evaluation. So you open up an event, an intervention, uh, either a new one or if there's already one open, you can continue documenting on that. And you use the dot phrase in order to fill out all of the important information. Basically, the way to do that is to evaluate all of the important parts of the patient's care. So you look at their MAR, which is an overview of what medications they're prescribed in patient. You look at their results review. You look at their labs, their flow sheet to get an idea of their vitals. You, of course, read their notes and their HMP to understand why they were admitted in the first place. And so there's all this information that you jot down, diagnosis, past medical history, the meds that are not ordered or held on admission, any inhalers, over-the-counter vitamins, if they're on any PPI prophylaxis, uh, proton pump inhibitors like omeprazole or pantoprazole. Um, you also want to monitor their diabetes if they have it or um, even if they don't, make sure their blood sugars are doing well because a lot of time patients can um, experience 
dysregulated blood sugars while inpatient, especially if they're on steroids um, or even just from stress. You also want to identify barriers to discharge. And I think this is the biggest place where pharmacists can play a role. And it's identifying what trouble is the patient having inpatient that's not allowing them to leave. What are they struggling with? What is the issue at hand that needs to be resolved before they can go home? And so there you're able to chart everything, whether their electrolytes are out of balance, whether or not they're experiencing AKI from something. Um, Just a couple of examples of things that you want to identify and then also jot down next to them what your next steps would be. Do you want to monitor a certain drug use? Do you want to make sure that they're not taking something? Do you want to make sure that when they're discharged, they're given a different medication? Things like that. And the very last section is tasks for the pharmacist to follow up on. So there are things you take note of and you want to make sure that get done. So let's say a patient takes methotrexate once a week. You want to make sure when they're discharged that they not only get that once a week, but they continue to get their folic acid both inpatient and continue to take it outpatient. Um, but let's say that the pharma- the doctor didn't order it inpatient. And so you want to make sure that that patient's still getting their folic acid. And so you call them up, make the recommendation, and enter the order. So again, these evaluations are done on a daily basis while these patients are admitted. And so we follow them all the way from when they are brought in to when they leave. And so we also do the discharge counseling. And the biggest um, key to all of this is the after-visit summary. And this is what patients are given before they leave the hospital. And it makes sure, it shows you what the patient is instructed to take upon leaving. And so as the transitions of care pharmacist, uh, their job is to make sure that that lines up with the treatment they were being given inpatient. So oftentimes that has to do with antibiotic use. like making sure that if they only got a couple of days that they either have a plan for continuing it outpatient um, or if on top of that, adding a probiotic if they're taking long uh, antibiotics outpatient as well. And then from there, you want to communicate with the doctor if there's anything you noticed left off, if you want to have anything added to it. And then once that's done and like solid basically, you go ahead and you call the patient to do discharge counseling. So I got to do that for a couple of them, which I thought was a really great opportunity again, because to be fair, I don't think I've done it too, too much since my first year at my community site. So it was a good dip of the toe, toe dip, whatever it is, into the pool of counseling once again to patients. And at the same time, Transitions of Care also handles the outpatient pharmacy information. So the technician actually that works in Transitions of Care is responsible for the med rec as well as following up with the patient's outpatient pharmacy to ensure that the medication the orders were received and at the same time finding out what those copays are to ensure that when we go and speak to the patients that that works out for them like they're okay with paying that because if there's a really high copay oftentimes we have to go back into the formulary see if there's something else we could substitute it with or get a PA done um, all these different types of things so basically it's a way to eliminate as much as possible the barriers in continuing therapy out from inpatient to home And so I think that's super invaluable because obviously everyone, a lot of people are on medications and you don't want to suddenly stop them on one thing and start them on another. And there's a lot of um, bad side effects, for the lack of a better word, that can occur if you do such. So I think this is a really important service to have. And so, yeah, eventually they'll get paid under a different group since it actually doesn't fall under the pharmacy. 
Um, but a really interesting model. And I know Medicare does a lot of different things like this with other disease states. So it's always interesting learning the way that the healthcare system works in this country. So whenever you have the chance, if you ever hear something that doesn't sound familiar or something you're not too familiar with, always take the opportunity to look it up to better understand what's going on. Um, and of course, have conversations with your pharmacist and the people working around you because they have so much to teach you and you have so much to learn from them. So again, really great day. Had an opportunity to write all the care notes that I needed to and then um, wrote events as needed called doctors. Um, when I get to tomorrow, I have a very, very interesting story and then uh, spoke to patients. So it was a great opportunity. Most of it was over the phone just to cut down exposure. But again, that's a skill in itself, which I'll get into a little bit more. But on that note, we will move on to Thursday. We are now at day 24 rotations. It's Thursday, July 30th. Um, I was on the TOC, so Transitions of Care, again, technician shift this time. So I was on from 730 to actually 1600. So I get off two hours earlier because again, tech shifts are eight hours. And so I basically did the same thing as the day before, except I was now doing the med rec uh, beforehand. So again, I was doing med recs in the emergency department and that works one way and doing them in transition of care works another way. So again, different variations and iterations of something that we get the basics and learn how to do, but it's important to understand the workflow and the model of the institution that you're at. And then from there, what you do is you look at, again, the admission list that's brought in by the nurse. And from there, you compare it to SureScripts. And after doing that, you call the patient, fill in the pieces of the puzzle as much as you can, and then follow up with the pharmacies and um, other caregivers that you may need to in order to get the full picture. Again, it can be time consuming. Some are very straightforward. Some are not. Some people have zero meds on their list and then you talk to them and they're taking a million things. Some people have a million things on their list and they're actually taking nothing. And each of those presents its own problems and situations and things to work out. But again, no one would know the difference if no one ever followed up with these patients. So again, a really valuable service to have. And since the pharmacist actually works in the same office too, I actually got to continue working through uh, the pharmacist workflow as far as the daily events and evaluations go. So I thought that was great, just kind of getting a better idea of um, beginning to end what it entails to follow through with the patient. And Actually, in doing so, I guess this is the perfect time to tell this story. I actually came across a patient who I had worked up their med rec, and there were a couple of things that they had taken at home that weren't currently started inpatient, which was totally fine. They'd only come in the day before, so it wasn't anything too crazy, but definitely something that needed to be communicated with the doctor. And so I had all four of my recommendations laid out. I knew exactly why I was recommending them, what they were, doses, um, timing, everything like that. I was ready. So I go and you enter in the extension and you end up paging like the hospitalist for that team and then uh, you wait for them to call you back. And so she calls me back and I go, I start giving my first recommendation. Um, I started off with, oh, I have a recommendation for a room, whatever. And we start talking and literally as I finish, she says, thank you. And then hangs up the phone. Not mean at all, like in the slightest. She was so, so nice. But I literally had three more things to tell her. And I, in my head, I was like, oh, I definitely should have said I had a couple of things to do. Um, things like that. All in hindsight, it's, hindsight's 2020. But 
I paged her again. She called me back immediately and I continue, I, I go through it. And this was the most intense conversation I've ever had as far as like speaking at a very high volume. So she would not forget that I was there or at least hear me out. And then literally speaking as she was finishing her sentence so that she wouldn't hang up. And it's not because of anything other than she's just very busy. And you'll notice with doctors, if you don't speak fast and right away, or with confidence even, they're not going to hear you out. They're going to ask questions. And so I was as firm as could be talking as loud as I could without obviously yelling, but making sure that she could hear that I had more to say. And then of course, being really direct and making sure that my recommendation was as succinct as possible. Having that small like five five to 10 second explanation as to what it is, why it is, and how the patient's taking it at home and whatnot. Again, a really great learning opportunity, but the wildest thing I've ever done. And both the tech and the pharmacist I were with were just sitting there like like listening and watching. Everyone at this office is like so funny in that way. I love how they're all like super involved and stuff. Um, but they were hyping me up at the end and like, you did such a good job, which felt good, obviously. But yeah, she's a very nice physician, by the way. She's honestly like super cool. So I was glad I had the chance to speak with her. And then, of course you know, learn a new skill, strengthen my phone conversational skills, because you can never be too good at that, apparently, of course, since like our generation still hates calling the doctor to make our own appointments. So it was a great opportunity to do that. Literally just did more of what I was doing the day before. And although it may seem repetitive, again, I can't stress it enough, really take the opportunity to make sure that you're understanding fully what's going on. And so again, in this case, anytime I saw a drug or um, brand or generic name that I didn't know the mechanism of action or the other name or what its common indication were, I was immediately on Lexicomp. Also dosing. That was another thing that I definitely wanted to take away from this because, again, I think I've mentioned it before, we don't really emphasize it when we're in pharmacy school per se. And so our rotations are definitely the opportunity and the time to understand what the normal dosing is for medications. And so, yeah, multiple patients um, either are on isolation for different reasons or we're also trying to cut exposure and they all have phones in their room or cell phones. So that's really great. And then from there, we're able to like you're able to take your time, understand the med list fully and then go and um, handle the encounter. So I thought that was really great. Um, any opportunity, again, to just really know drugs, I'm going to take full advantage of it. And then I actually had a lot of project time, again, to work on this final project. Um, it's like 20-ish slides, I want to say. And so I had a good chunk of time there to continue working through it and making sure I had what I wanted to say solidified. And then we actually ran through it together, my preceptor and I, after I got off. So that was nice. She really liked it, I think. Um, definitely tried to use some snazzy stuff on PowerPoint with SmartArt. SmartArt is dope, by the way. Check it out if you have a chance um, whenever you use your PowerPoint presentation. I haven't had to do one in a hot minute, and so I recently like came across it, and so it's been um, very helpful, and I've enjoyed using it, and I think it's going to make the presentation just a little bit better. It was already pretty good, but now it's going to be that much better. So uh, if you're ever looking for any tips on presentations, I definitely would do that. And I guess just to talk a little bit more about it, because it's basically done at this point and I worked on it a lot throughout this week. The way I approach a presentation is I make an outline of how I want it to flow. I want to make sure that I'm hitting all of the important points, but at the same time, I'm not glossing over anything too quickly, but also not harping on things that don't need to be harped on. And so that's why that run through earlier on in the week with my preceptor to show her just a really 
like quick draft, I thought was super valuable because now at this point, I had it fleshed out. I had it looking nice. I had all the general information on there and I was already working on how I wanted to go ahead and present. And so again, if you can go ahead and streamline that process and make it easier for yourself, it also makes it easier for the people listening because it'll be a clear presentation that is to the point, covers the important facts, but doesn't um, dwell on the insignificant ones. So that's just the way I do it. I like using the notes section also um, under each slide. That way I can figure out what points I want to talk about. You probably all are familiar with this, but in case you want to know what my process is, this is where I'm at with it. And then you're actually able to print it out like that. So you have like the slide and your notes section. And I just have that on hand and I run through it whenever I can and I jot notes down and I'm constantly making changes and adding transitions and making sure if I want to throw a little joke in there that it's first well placed but also that it makes sense and that it doesn't detract from the presentation itself so yeah all things to consider but that basically wrapped up my Thursday just another great day in the workplace and with that we move on to Friday. We are now at Friday. It is the end of the week. It's day 25. It's July 31st, the end of July, if you can believe it. I was on the A shift with the pharmacist from 730 to 1800. And we actually started the day. I was actually with my preceptor. So again, she and I had a chance to hang out, which is always a good time. And the first thing we did was go through uh, resumes for interviews, potential interviews, which I thought was really interesting. Um, As I mentioned before, she's the charge pharmacist, so she helps with interviews from time to time. And so that was a, a really valuable experience because I got to see the things that employers look out for, certain things that are turn ons and turn offs when it comes to contemplating a large group of applicants, how they end up narrowing things down, what they're looking for, what's of importance, what isn't necessarily things to consider as you move into the workforce, just because at least in my position, I am currently not a pharmacist, but I hope to be working as one one day, obviously. And so when I leave residency, um, I want to make sure I have a good idea of what people are looking for um, in a cover letter as far as um, what certain things they're looking for for certain positions on the resume itself. So like in this case, it was for an inpatient position. So looking for certain types of experiences that they wanted highlighted and things that could be of service to them in other ways. So again, great opportunity. Um, Everyone was a pharmacist. And so just seeing what their backgrounds were as well was great because I don't know, you just don't know what's out there until you see for yourself. And like I mentioned before, she does the schedules also. So we talked a lot about that more in depth because she was actually working on it for the next pay period. And so she showed me again how everyone has their own template. So like days of the week template that they work. And then also the way that they sign up for vacations or the ways that they want to take holidays. And so these are all things that are parts of operations, a part of being in a pharmacy and having a job that you don't necessarily talk about in pharmacy school because it doesn't have to do with patient care. It doesn't have to do with your clinical knowledge, but it has to do with you as a person and your personal life, which is also an aspect to all of this. So I thought it was really interesting the way they go about requesting time off. All of these different things you have to take in consideration when you go work somewhere um, that doesn't necessarily have to do with practicing pharmacy itself. And then from there, we kept verifying orders. So that was um, always a good time to be able to check my knowledge and things like that. Just because when I get to studying for all the NAPLEX and things like that, I don't want to be worrying about all of these drugs I've seen a million times. So I'm really, every time it's coming across the screen, I am in my head 
making sure that I know what my, know my stuff. That's for sure. After that, I did the alpha blocker report. And so I think I've mentioned other reports like this before, like the IV to PO and the anticoagulation um, report, as well as renal dose adjustments, things like that. So there's actually an alpha blocker report. So any patient that's on an alpha blocker, we want to go ahead and retime their dose to um, after dinner. Right. So at bedtime. And the reason we want to do that is that with alpha blockers, uh, you can end up experiencing orthostatic hypotension. And so we want to avoid falls with patients. And so if you give it to them right before they go to bed, they're already laying down. So makes it just a safety thing. Um, And if it doesn't really matter what time you take it, then might as well do it at a time where it's less of a risk to the patient to hurt themselves. So once I finished doing that, I actually, we got called to a stroke alert. So again, um, as they come in to the ambulance bay, they get assessed immediately. Um, and then from there, the physician decides whether or not they think they'll need all to place. Oftentimes, like I've mentioned before, you want to see if the patient can get a CT scan done first. So you can check um, what type of stroke, um, if there's perfusion happening and whatnot. Uh, because again, there's a hemorrhagic as well as an ischemic stroke and those are very different in their treatments and yeah basically the pharmacist does show up of course because they handle the meds and they determine whether or not it's going to be necessary of course you have to fall within the window I've talked all about this before in a previous episode so um, I always just like to go um, when I do have the chance because every case can be slightly different you never know what you'll encounter and again I really liked being in the emergency department as of late so I really just want to get any opportunity I can to go. And again, if you there's something you want to do and it's kind of a little bit slower with what you're doing or you're done with what you're doing or anything like that, or if it's something you're interested in, never be afraid to ask because the worst thing that they could say is no. And then you're exactly where you started. So it's just something that I feel like has really served me well during this rotation because they have been so kind and wanting me to take all of these different opportunities and stuff. But um, yeah, it's just been a great opportunity to expand what I'm seeing outside of operations. So came back, ended up needing it, and so got to um, check out tabletop, putting it together, um, how they're going to go and hang it, things like that. And yeah, just another stroke alert, which is also so crazy. I didn't realize how frequent they can be um, because they're brought in, obviously, and it's announced on the overhead. And when you're in the pharmacy for eight to 10 hours a day, you realize that there's quite a few that actually happen in the community, which is unfortunate. But of course, knowing what the signs and symptoms of a stroke are so that you can identify it as soon as possible are really important. And so I think many of you have probably heard of the BFAST um, acronym. And so it's basically the way to spot a stroke. And so the B is for balance. So if somebody's experiencing sudden dizziness, loss of balance or coordination, the E is for eyes. If they have trouble seeing out of one or both their eyes, their face. So oftentimes they'll have facial weakness or an uneven smile. So you'll notice that facial droop. A is arm. So weakness or unable to raise both their arms. The They'll have the patient um, try to lift their limbs and things like that to assess them. Speech, they have them read something off of a laminated card. And so oftentimes it's impaired, slurred, or they have really hard times uh, repeating simple phrases. And then the T is for time. So you want to call 911 immediately. Again, it is so important to know when the stroke occurred or the last time the patient was seen normal because alteplase can't be given after a certain time period. So it's between the three and the four and a half hour mark. You want to make sure that if it's going to be given, that that's when it's given. 
So that was the morning part. I'm trying to see if there's more there. Uh, the other thing that was really cool about this shift is the A shift actually covers inpatient chemo. So oftentimes there is an infusion center at this institution, but some patients have to be admitted for their uh, chemotherapy regimens. And so I actually had the chance to go through and review it, see the way that it worked. I learned a lot about oncology that I had not heard of prior. So there's things like our epoch or our chop are names of different um, regimens that patients can follow and they're just abbreviations for all the different drug names that are involved in them so I thought that was really cool went through because it is compounded um, in the hazardous chemo room make sure to check all the volumes check the all the different um, supplies that were needed and things like that so it was really great just getting to walk through everything um, evaluating the patient's labs to make sure no adjustments have to be made because sometimes depending on what the labs come back with you need to adjust certain drug dosing but seeing the way that pharmacists are involved in this and especially with the compounding aspect I think was really great then as I was uh, working through something else, my preceptor comes up to me and asks me a question about the tubing machine. And I, for some reason, thought she was trying to train somebody new and she's like, oh, they don't know how to use it. But she was actually testing me to show her how to use these things for like our evaluations. They want you to be able to um, be trusted to teach others how to do certain tasks. And so we don't have any IPI students. Um, there's no really layered learning at this institution. There's no residence or anything like that. So my preceptor has been trying to go above and beyond and find ways to do that so I could have that teaching opportunity in itself. So I showed her how to tube something um, using the tubing system. So checking where it needs to go and typing in the right number and loading the machine correctly. And then from there, we did a Pixis load. So I showed her how to log into the Pix first of all, which department, how to log into the Pixis. And then um, in the case of unloading a med, taking it out, putting the new one in, entering the most recent expiration date from that set that you put back in, and making sure that when you bring back the med to the pharmacy, it gets put into the right spot to be put back in stock. I don't know. It was just a really cool Friday. I'm going to be honest. It was just... It's been fun. I don't know. I felt really lucky to be at this site and to be doing all of this. And the people are amazing. And I'm just having a really great time. I don't know what I thought I expected on rotations. I think I knew it was going to be fun. It was going to be cool to learn. But this has just been something else in the best way possible. And it's probably just like more of confirmation that I'm doing something that I really love to do. But I've been having just a great time. And maybe I'm just being too positive or something too. Who knows? But Truly, it was just, it was a really cool day. And then, yeah, even better after that, I got to go to lunch, obviously, because we eat lunch. I just don't mention it. And we got lunch brought to us. It was Panera and that was phenomenal. So the day just, what a great day. And after that, I worked on the report for the meds with no labs. And so these, if you recall, are often the seizure meds because you want to make sure that patients have their seizures under control. And so this, these are the carbamazepine, um, valproic acid, uh, phenytoin, uh, drugs like that, you want to make sure that if they are for seizures, that they're getting a drug level pulled and that they're within the therapeutic range. And then um, I'm trying to think what else. Oh, you just add a note or an event, uh, depending on whether or not you needed to put an order in, um, if there was already one, um, or if it's already been pulled, making sure that it's, like I mentioned, in range and making note of that. Because you don't want patients having breakthrough seizures, of course. After doing that, I worked on a new report. Uh, so it was actually the stress ulcer prophylaxis de-escalation. And so what we go through is all of the 
basically this institution uses pantoprazole or protonics as their inpatient uh, PPI, proton pump inhibitor. And you go through and you evaluate the use for every single one of them. You see if it's warranted or if they're on it unnecessarily. And so things you look out for are whether or not they have a history of like GERD or erosive esophagitis, um, if they've had recent cardiac surgery, um, invasive cardiac surgery, GI surgery. There's all of these different things where it's indicated for. Um, but if there isn't an indication for it, oh, another thing like corticosteroids, so oftentimes in chemo patients, they are on a steroid and so it is warranted. And so for the most part, everything checks out, but you just want to be sure that nobody's on it unnecessarily because it can leave them open to um, C. diff, which is not ideal. Um, and you just, if you don't need it, you don't need it. So yeah, just went through all of those, wrote notes up for that. Um, double checking, of course, if they're on it at home, because then if they are, that also means they should be on it inpatient. And from there, I actually checked the pre-pack meds. So I may have mentioned it before, but when the pharmacy orders stock bottles, they have this machine called the Euclid. And it's a way for you to individually pack those tablets or capsules um, in the pharmacy. And so it prints off on the back the lot number and the drug, of course, the manufacturer, expiration date, all these different types of things. And so uh, the Board of Pharmacy does come and check these things. They check for spelling and accuracy, of course, because this is not something to be inaccurate about. And so I go ahead and I do the first check of everything. So I make sure that the lot, the new lot number that's put on is correct. The expiration date is correct. The name, dose, strength, and quantity is correct, as well as manufacturer. The lot number on the bottle and the expiration date from the bottle are also correct. And then go ahead, count them up, make sure none of them are broken or tampered with. And then the pharmacist does the second check. And I think that basically took me to the end of my day. I did a little bit more work on my project. Everyone sounds very excited for it. I have a couple of people that are very much looking forward <laughs> to attending, which is nice to have that support. But I basically was at that point running through it, um, the script that I have. Um, I like to use a script just to make sure that I'm touching upon all the key points. I don't take it up with me per se. I have usually a note card that I jot down the first word of the sentences I tend to forget or that where I tend to fall off on. And so I have that in my hand. And oftentimes I practice it so many times that I don't really need to refer to it. But I always like having it on the off chance that I suddenly blink or for whatever reason, I just can't remember. And so it doesn't hurt to just have it in my hand. But of course, I'm trying to be as familiar with the information as possible. This one's particularly more interesting because there are a lot of trials and a lot of trial data to talk about. And I want to make sure that I'm being as accurate as possible because their conclusions are basically what I'm basing my medication review on. So yeah, that's how I ended my day working on that. And then I went home and I'm actually in KY at UCSF. And so uh, at the end of their first week, which was this past week, they do a bifrat. And so the two frats, PDC and KY, each had a Zoom call for like an hour where we did breakout rooms and you got to meet all of the new students, which was super fun. My friends and I, um, of course, attended, which was great to see them on there as well. And so many people from my class that I haven't seen since rotations have started. And also just meeting all the new class was so awesome. They seem really sweet and they're dressing really well, it seems like, to being online, which is awesome. And I'm glad that they're able to make the most of that because it's definitely a tough situation and it must be very weird for them, but they seem to be quite positive about it. So it was nice getting to meet all of them. Also got to catch up with a ton of the P2s after the call, which was so nice. And it's so good to see all of them again, of course. So 
that was the end of my Friday, a really great ending to the week and a great start to the weekend. And with that, I guess we'll jump into the weekend. And we have now reached the weekend. I do my laundry, of course, as I always do. And I record this podcast, love doing that. But I've also been reciting my presentation over and over again until it's the only thing I can think of. I'll probably end up dreaming about it for the rest of my life. But you know what? It's okay. It's worth it in the end. So yeah, nothing too out of the ordinary. I'm just hoping for the best this coming week, trying to be as prepared as possible. I honestly cannot believe it's been five weeks. We're only a week away from the end. And then we actually have a week break after this rotation. So it'll be nice to sleep a little and actually maybe start on RX prep, which seems daunting at the moment, but I think I just need to sit down and start. So yeah, thank you again to all of you who have listened to other episodes, who tuned in this week. I hope it offers you something. Not sure what that could be. I hope it's something good though and something that's helpful to you. But yes, I just want to say thank you, of course, one more time because I can't say it enough, apparently. And I hope you and your loved ones are staying safe and healthy, that y'all are wearing a mask, and I'll talk to you soon. Bye.